Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Tortured Fan Bases podcast. We got two caveats right here. Uh, one is that I'm getting over a sickness, so if I sound weird, that's why. Uh, and the second is that I'm recording in a hotel room in Baton Rouge, so if the internet goes out, I'm recording on my hotspot because I don't trust hotel Wi-Fi. Uh, so my apologies if the Wi-Fi stopped working, but I'm going to do my best to make this happen. You said to get all the excuses out at once. You know, if we if we bring the excuses up now and they happen, then they're like, okay, they're just, you know, they're getting on top of things. But if I don't bring it up and everyone's like, well, Noah sounds really weird and his internet kept cutting out. What a moron. And then you just look dumb. Good on you thinking of the listeners. Just being, yeah, a, all, being a guy. All, all seven of them. Just, I got to look out for our fan. Yeah, well, I guess we got to say sorry in advance. It's been a while since we've actually talked. It's been over two weeks, right? Yeah, we were uh, this time last week. It was uh, it's Thursday, so we were sitting, sitting around outside in Fort Polk, Louisiana, shooting guns. It was a good time. It was a good time, but you know, now we're back. My yeah. feet don't hurt anymore, so we're good. Yeah, it took like a good do- like day, which is how I realized that my feet are now not broken in like they were back in my infantry days. Yeah, no like more, my feet just hurt. And I was no like, this has never happened you. before. Yeah, you, you stop no. pumping and it's just done. Yeah, but for those curious, humping means hiking. It's just a military term. If you, if you didn't realize it, we're not talking about anything weird. We're not one of those podcasts here. All right, brother. Yeah. We just want to talk about baseball. Well, so since we were gone so long, there's, you know, some interesting fun stuff that's happened in baseball. Um, I think we're still going to avoid talking about standings. I would say probably until at least the end of May because they don't matter right now. Completely agree. Even though all the Twins are in first place. Is, all I'll say is the Reds aren't in last place. That's good enough. <laughs> but uh, there are some fun things that have, or at least interesting things that have happened in baseball. Um, you got anything that's, that's caught your eye the last couple weeks? Yes, 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 yes. I've got two fun ones. Uh, the first one, more of a fun, fun anecdote based on where I where I came from. Uh, I'm originally from Wisconsin, and so Milwaukee is our biggest city, and they're home to the Brewers. And it's a overall like a really fun city. I've got family there. Um, my fiance and I love going to visit Milwaukee. There's really good coffee shops, food. Like if you're looking for an underrated vacation destination and you don't want to go to Chicago, go to Milwaukee. But Milwaukee is also home to a lot of serial killers and a lot of ghosts, apparently. And there's a hotel that every team stays at called the Fister Hotel, P-F-I-S-T-E-R. And the Dodgers were recently in town. And Mookie Betts does not like ghosts. And I say this because he put himself up in an Airbnb just so that he wouldn't have to stay at this hotel in downtown Milwaukee. Uh, He said he'd heard it from other players like Hank Blaylock and Adrian Beltre and all these guys that have stayed there and had like these crazy experiences with ghosts and spirits. I think Hank Blaylock looked at the, he had something happen in his room and uh, he said to the ghost that he thought was there. He was like, Hey, can we just chill? Like, I just want to sleep. You can, you can be here. You can stay here. I just need to sleep before my game tomorrow. But Mookie (laughs) Betts is so afraid of ghosts. This man moved to an Airbnb. I love it so much. You know, (laughs) whatever you got to do to make it work. I mean, that is, a, a totally, I would say, I won't say it's unfounded fear, but, uh, you know, I mean, he probably flew there, right? Which is yeah. probably much, much more dangerous than a ghost. I will say, though, I've had like those crazy dreams where you wake up at midnight and you feel like something's moving around in your room and you just get absolutely terrified. So I can feel, I can feel from Mookie Betts. 
<laughs> hey, you know what? What? How did he do the next day? Was he was he good? Yeah, he crushed the ball. So, All right, then, hey. who's a genius now? Don't mess with it. I mean, I feel like at this point, if you're Dave Roberts, just kind of let Mookie do whatever he wants. That's fair. As long as, yeah, I really wish Thompson was on today just so that he could uh, give a comment on how he feels about Mookie Betts being afraid of ghosts. You know, I, I feel like he, he'd be okay with it. He, he, he'd sigh with Mookie. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, what do you got, man? I got another one that we'll come back to, but what do you got? I got a, I got a, a kind of lame one. Uh, so I think we've commented on it already on the, the myriad of home run celebrations that are out there. And there, you know, there's a couple of good ones. Uh, but I'll I, stump I got for the twins. The, the twins have a fishing vest that says land of 10,000 rakes. Yeah. I see here. Here's my thing. Like the, the turnover chain in football. That yeah. was cool when Miami first did it, what, four or five, whatever, whatever number of years ago. And now everybody's got one, and it's just like, okay, that's fine. Like, this is, you, you've reached the limit of how good this is. And I think we're kind, right. of, we're kind of at that right now. We're just like, every team has got one, and it's like, okay, like, I kind of get it, but, like, is that an inside joke? Is it, like, it's not that fun, right? That's fair. That's fair. But there was one that was pretty fun, and that was the Braves. The Braves, somebody at some point threw an oversized hat onto the field and they ran with it. That was their home run celebration. I say was in past tense because somebody got angry about it. Specifically, New Era, the, t- the company that holds the rights to their on-field caps. They complained about it because they didn't make it and now it's gone which is grade A plus absolute lameness. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That is so lame. And they didn't even say like, yeah, whatever, we'll make you one. They're just like, nope, can't do it anymore. We make the hats, you don't. Absolutely lame. I mean, this is what happens when you have all these corporate sponsorships and deals and all this kind of stuff. Someone eventually somewhere will get upset that you didn't use their brand for something. I mean, I totally agree with you. It's really dumb. New Era could have easily rectified this and like, hey, we'll make you a special one. Tell us what you want on it. We'll make you a big hat. But instead, they're just like, let's be killjoys and just say you can't do it. Yeah, just the absolute, like, uh, I I hate some of that corporate nonsense where it's like, like nobody, I don't think anybody looked at that hat with that celebration and thought it was killing New Era's brand. Or it was eaten into their profits. Who who's going out and buying giant oversized hats? I definitely am not. No. Even if they sold them, nobody would be buying it. It's not like they've got a market to protect. They're just mad because it's their it's their brand. We're the official on field cap. Like, come on, dude. What is this? And you know what? It, I, I don't even blame New Era that much. I blame Rob Manfred and the commissioner's office for listening to it. That's what I blame. That's fair. I mean, you they could have easily right said, no, it's fine. Well, what they could have said was they, their thing is the official on-field cap, right? Yeah. Is the dugout part of the field of play per the rules? Um, no, per the rules, no. So it's not on the field. Therefore, Same. their branding doesn't count. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that there's caveats there that would render your point moot, but I do agree with you. No, know, I'm just saying like he, they could have well, just said, dude, point. 
They could have just said, hey, look, this is not a big deal. Either create an alternative, whatever, or shut up. We don't care. This is fun. And they just didn't. They just acquiesced to them. It was lame. Lame. Yeah. I hate no, it. I, I agree. I agree. And you know You're what? You're not going to find any, uh, any haters here. You know what? New Era doesn't even make the best baseball caps. 47 makes brand the best. does. 47, 47 makes some good stuff. They do all like the dad hats and stuff like yeah, that, right? They make I the do best like... baseball hats right now. Here's the deal, man. Back when I was a kid, I remember I could go to the Twins Pro Shop when we went to Minnesota, and I could get a decent Twins hat for 20 bucks. Uh, now, if I want to order a Twins hat, it's $45, and yeah. they're not even that cool. They're you want to the get point the where official like... one? It's like 50 bucks. Yeah, and it's so dumb because they're just slapping, like New Era is just slapping together logos on things. There's one where they put like eight different logos on one hat all around in a circle. I was like, this is the most moronic thing I've ever seen on a hat. And people are buying it. I'm like, yeah. what are y'all doing? Wait, you're telling me you don't want to spend $55 on an official on-field Minnesota Twins M hat right now? I think the, no. <laughs> Not with the way that logo <laughs> no. looks, man. <laughs> Give me back. You know what? I got really upset about this because... The more I thought about it, the more I, I totally agree with you. The M logo is dumb. But we had a fantastic M logo 25 years ago. Yeah. It was a script M with a yep. little bit of swoosh underneath. Yep. I loved that logo. That was a good Everything one. about that logo was perfect. And then you add the TC in there and you've got two good logos. You yep. should have just gone back to that. I was, I've been saying that for years. For, we just need to go back to that old school M and everybody would be, ha would be happy. But they're just and like, nope, we're going to make the Miami Marlins with the North Star. I mean, you brought the pinstripes back, which is a good idea. Yeah, the uniforms are great. The Twin Cities uniform is one of Everything my Everything about their four. uniforms right now is bad except for that hat. That one hat is bad. You mean I good, except, good except Yeah, everything's hat. great except for that hat. That hat sucks. The, the Twin Cities uniform is one of my top four all-time Minnesota Twins uniforms, including the powder blues, their yeah. cream-colored uniforms, the Twin Cities uniforms, and then the last one would – honestly, I like the home pinstripes that they used to have but I really love the gray uniforms that they used to have too. Yeah. But the cream colored ones that we had back in like a Harmon Killebrew era. And then like towards the beginning of uh, target field, I loved those uniforms, but I mean, the powder blues are great too. Like the Brewer city connects. I love powder blue, anything. Yeah. The reds used to have their away, their gray away uniforms used to be that like heathered cotton powder blue that like reds have had some fire uniforms. They have that the, like, you know what I'm talking about? That like blue tinted cotton, uniforms yeah. Yeah, those yeah. used to be their away uniforms and i wish they would bring those back that color because it looks yeah. awesome i uh i've said this before and i'll say it again the reds need to bring back the tank tops absolutely they absolutely do 100%. that they need to bring back the uh the the batting practice the the those those jerseys those yeah. are fire and you know what they just need to get rid of the font that's it if they get rid of the font, their uniforms will be great i hate the font i hate it I can agree with that. Yeah, it's just kind of frustrating because sometimes teams do like a uniform rebrand and it goes really, really well. Like I think the Rangers rebrand re went well. Yeah. I think they got the right color right combinations. Their The uniforms are all good. Their City Connect ones are ugly as heck. Um, did not like <sighs> yeah. those at all. I don't know. I couldn't even tell it's the Texas Rangers. Like the regular uniform rebrand that they did was great. I didn't find one thing wrong with that rebrand. Or you look at the Buccaneers in football, didn't find one thing wrong with that rebrand. And then someone goes out and does something completely ridiculous Honestly, like the Marlins, I don't, I don't want to hate on the Marlins at, so much, uh, but they had powder, like not powder blue, but like teal Marlins on white pinstripes. Have you seen Jazz Chisholm in that uniform? Yeah, it looks with awesome. all his armbands and his teal glove, 
looks awesome. Glasses, dude is it. probably the best looking ball player in the league in that uniform, and they got rid of him. Listen, they're bringing him back on like Friday. It's like that should be your primary. That was a great set of uniforms the Marlins had, and they gave them away. Yeah. Now he, here's a question I don't get. We've had what like two or three of the City Connect uniforms come out already this year. I think so, something like that. Why is everyone wearing black pants? Black pants don't look good in baseball. The only time I'll say black pants look good is when the uniform is black too. But even then, it doesn't look that good. I've seen some good black on black uniforms, but the the Chicago White Sox City Connect is black on black, and it says like South Side. Yeah, that one's fine. And it looks they're pinstripes. I, I disagree, dude. That looks like something you find in the back of a mall. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not it, good. It's fine for the White Sox because they're like, wait, why are they called the White Sox, but they wear black socks? That doesn't make any sense. It's irony. I get that. Yeah, but everyone else, like black pants do not look good in baseball. No, I, I and I the one that it comes makes, the closest for me are the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates with their yellow yeah. uniforms and the black pants. But even then, is a stretch. But now but that I was mean, like that was a whole thing. That whole uniform set was weird, and they were going for weird, and it was the seventies, and that was fine. Right, but that was the only time that black pants really made sense in baseball. But otherwise, like, give me light or give me, you know, blue or gray. Give me anything but black. Yeah, right. Like, like good. we've sorely underused all the other colors. Like the Mariners when they did it, they had the black pants with the the blue like pilots inspired like. Give me some yellow pants. Let's make yellow pants, dude. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Go crazy with it. Black is just so trite and overdone. And it's not, yeah. It's never it, done well. It's never yeah, done well. It does not look good. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, the Reds, later this month, they're coming out with their City Connect uniform. And I am I'm not nervous. super, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in it. I, uh, I just don't I know what they're going to do. I really wish the Twins would get one. I don't think we're going to get one anytime soon. But I'm excited to see the Reds. If they were to bring back anything like Mr. Baseball related with like the baseball head, that could be cool. You know what I, I don't like think they will. Do? I would like to see them wear Cincinnati Tigers uniforms. Cincinnati Tigers? That okay. was their, their one and only Negro Leagues team. 1937. I mean, Kansas was- City usually does like a Kansas City Monarchs game every single year. That's always really fun. But the thing is, the, the Tigers played at cross like they played at the reds field they were financed oh, really? by the reds owners yeah, that's fun yeah and there's a couple other like there's other teams that have done um like they'll wear they'll pick a weekend and they'll wear like negro leagues inspired uniforms and it's cool but like the reds could just do it they could do it now if they wanted to and it would look cool i want to start a petition let's rename the royals the monarchs no i'm fine with the royals in the monarchs or, or being the royals really yeah i'm fine with it i don't i never I like really the got the name kansas city royals like no one royal lives in kansas city but their old team was the monarchs you get the connection now oh we're gonna <laughs> pretend like i've understood that the entire time <laughs> that's pretty embarrassing that's okay i mean look it's fine the royals are the royals i, I i'm, I'm Somehow fine with i have a master's degree folks <laughs> so uh yeah i guess that'll put stock in the wisconsin public education system anyways um enough <laughs> uniform talk because i feel like we've gone into this pretty much every episode because we got strong opinions but yeah the, the mlb got... being corporate being lame i hate it also yeah. the other weird thing the uh the last weird thing on the mlb corporate side um have you watched any of the uh, apple tv plus friday night games 
No, I tried to watch when we were in the field, but my Apple TV Plus wasn't loading. All the weird stats, the weird probability stats are still there that nobody understands. I think make, I saw I saw the highlights of the sense. Twins actually won that game, and there was like one where it was like hit probability of 21%. I'm like, yeah. I would love to see your calculation. Yeah, no, like, nobody just, understands it. So like, are, one you of just the, going, are you going by the batter's batting average after that count? Because that's not, I mean, just say his batting average is 210 after that count. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's <laughs> so like one of the other baseball podcasts I listened to effectively wild, uh, a fan podcast, they actually had an interview with the people that run that serve the, the company that does all the stats. And uh, it really didn't make any, like their explanations did not make any sense. <laughs> I, like, I, just, money? Apple I don't TV know. Probably spent on that. Oh my goodness. And, and like, instead of just looking at like, Hey, what are teams using to, to, do probability they're just like you know what we're smart we're apple we'll do our own thing let's not ask these guys who are experts in the in the, the game right <laughs> like they what just don't the make any sense yeah what's the strike probability on a 3-0 pitch 90 percent 50 50 he's either gonna throw one or he's not i don't know <laughs> that's not a probability works but okay that is weird i'll that, grant that's you true that. he's either gonna miss or he's not <laughs> i think it's better than and i really don't want to be disrespectful to all these announcers but Random networks will get games, right? YouTube would get games. Oh yeah. Every the last couple of years. And they would just throw someone in the booth that had no business being in the booth. And this is not just for baseball. This has happened for football. Like all of the announcers calling the college football bowl games. Oh, it's my favorite. No, it's the, no, it's the worst. I love it. Just to They're, see how bad they are. Okay. Minnesota Golden Gophers running back, Mohammed Ibrahim, right? Last name is pronounced Ibrahim. There was an announcer on uh, the Wisconsin-Minnesota game, which is by all intents and purposes a big football game. You should have a good crew doing it. There's this, the play-by-play guy pronounced Ibrahim's last name incorrectly three different times on one drive. At one point, he's like, Abraham. And then he goes, and Ibrahim. I'm like, you just said Ibrahim <laughs> three sentences ago, and now you're calling him Abraham and Ibrahim. Like, just figure it out, dude. Yeah, they're bad. And, like, they're Apple really TV is the same way. They YouTube put Jim Tomey in the, in the booth for a Twins Guardians game last year, which is a really fitting thing, right? You know, played for both teams. You know, I love Jim Tomey. He's one of my favorite players. That man has no business being in an announcing booth for the next 15 to 20 years. He was so bad. You, you know so he bad. works You know he works on MLB Network all the time, right? And is he good? He's all right. I don't have really? a problem. Yeah, I don't okay. have a problem. He mainly goes on there to like analyze hitting some some player breakdown stuff like that but he's pretty maybe, good at you know it's jim tomey he's got like, a bad look. day well i mean yeah he's an incredible hit maybe it's got announcing a bad is hard though announcing is really hard no i get that and so that's why i don't want to sound like really really distasteful towards these announcers because I, I do want to give them grace and understand it's a hard job but like jim tomey did not understand like when to talk and when not to talk and so he would yeah. consistently cut off the play-by-play guy and then the play-by-play guy would lead him in and he'd just sit there quiet for 30 seconds and it got to the point where like i can't listen i can't listen to, i can't watch stuff on mute i need like something in the background for my adhd brain to like comprehend that there's something going on and i i had to turn it off i was like i <laughs> i i can't listen to this just bomb show of a game i kind of want to find this game now just to see it was it was pretty bad dude and it was it was a Byron Buxton game. He went like five for five or something, almost at the cycle, and I still turned it off. Anyways, oh, yeah. I got a I've got a fun story, man. Yeah, I was what's, doing what's, what's the other one here, buddy? I was doing some crazy research, uh, meaning I was just googling MLB stories because I really wanted to find something weird to talk about. And I found a guy that I know no one's heard of. All right, 
His name is Jack Wadsworth. His uh, nickname was Waddy. He pitched in the late 1800s, which is insane. Like over 125 years ago, he was pitching. He pitched one year for the Cleveland Spiders, one year for the Orioles. Uh, also, Wait, the Guardians. What, what year for the back. Cleveland Spiders? I don't remember. I don't have the years. I could pull up his baseball reference. Was it, was it, 18, was it 1899? Was he an infamous Cleveland Spider? Uh, no, they would no, because he was lame. He pitched four years, and he pitched. Uh, he set a record for inefficiency in '94. Uh, so he's definitely not 99. But he pitched another two for the Louisville Colonels. So near your house. Um. Anyway, how close do you think Louisville is to where I live? Heck of a lot closer than New Orleans to Louisville. I mean, yeah, that's true. But was it like three hours, four hours? Yeah, it's like two hours. That's not. That's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Relative. Anyways. So his career stats, check it out. Not that wins and losses matter. They did back was, then. He was six and thirty-eight with a six-eight-five ERA. Solid. Uh, Solid. He finished his career with one hundred more walks than strikeouts. He's a pitcher. Solid. Um, <laughs> so um, obviously not good. But this dude, the reason why I bring him up, and it's not to discuss his hilarious stat line, it's because he is a or was. He's pretty dead. He was a ventriloquist. And so when he was on the mound or when he was in the dugout, he would wait for like the end of a game. It's like the bottom of the eighth and bases are loaded. And uh, he, uh, he'd throw a pitch and it'd be like, let's say it's really close and he gets called a strike and the batter probably thought it was a ball. He would throw his voice and insult the umpire as the batter for such a bad call. And he would get the batter ejected from the game. <laughs> so how many times did this work so they can't like really uh they can't really track it well here's the did it work more than once yes it nice. worked plenty of times it worked so to the point, we're calling that a skill then <laughs> it worked to the point um where umpires started not throwing the guys out even if they would like say something because they weren't sure that it was the batter actually saying something yes Yes, which is just certified, absolutely incredible. Certified <laughs> skill. <laughs> this man used ventriloquism to try and win games. You know what? When you're that bad, you got to do whatever you got to do, you know? I mean, I... <laughs> Every advantage. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the best parts about this is, like, not even his teammates knew that he did it. Um, they found out that he was a ventriloquist at a local church program, like, years later. And so years later, they're like, holy crap, you should have used that when you pitched. He's like, I did. <laughs> Wait, if the umpires knew, how did his teammates not know? I don't know. Maybe some did, maybe some didn't. Because um, in those days, a lot of times, they would, uh, some of the umpire, if they didn't have enough umpires, they would pull umpires from the teams. They would pull oh, an really? umpire from each team. Whoever were the uh, the most studious and upstanding of players, so huh. maybe or interesting. <laughs> that's, hey, that's who was who was that player that I uh, that I talked to you about that bought the beers for Angel Hernandez? You remember who guy that was? I yeah, it was Will Clark. Was Will, Will Clark. Clark. Yeah, we got, we got to tell this story too. Um, I saw this on Instagram the other day, and Will yeah, Clark. I saw, I saw the story too. Yeah, Will Clark, absolute stud. Um, great, wonderful hit. player. Wonderful great, great player. Hit. Yeah, he. Uh, he was at the plate one day, and if you don't know who Angel Hernandez is and you don't like no, umpires... He's not a great um, umpire. He is pro quite possibly the worst umpire in the game right now. Uh, if not, he's top five. He's terrible. Uh, he was behind the plate, and Will Clark was at the plate, and Angel Hernandez gave him two really bad calls to the point where Angel knew that they were bad calls. 
Will does not react. Uh, after the game's over, he's 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 pretty upset. Like, don't get him wrong. He's pretty upset. He goes out to a bar, and Angel Hernandez is there with a bunch of other umpires. And Will Clark's like, you know, I could really teach this guy a lesson right now, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy him a round of beers, and I'm going to buy – I'm going to pay for their tab. And uh, he does that. Angel Hernandez sees him. They He goes over. He starts chatting with uh, with Angel. And uh, Angel's like, you going to say something? I know I, I kind of I messed up your day-to-day. I gave you a couple bad calls. And Will's like, no, you're good, man. It just happens. And he said uh, for the rest of his career, whenever Angel Hernandez was behind the plate, the strike zone to Will Clark was a tuna can. Everything was a ball for this guy. Man, so you, you be nice to people and life works out for you. Who well, thought? I mean, it's it's kind of corruption. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know? <laughs> all it took was a couple of beers for Angel Hernandez, and all of a sudden he started like actively not doing his job. That's pretty worrying. Yeah, eh, you know. <laughs> That's it's a subjective thing anyway. So I've got pulled up here the uh the umpire scorecard right now, which is a great website if you're into that. Um would you like to know who is not the least accurate umpire this year? Not the least accurate. So the best umpire? No, no, no. Who who's not the worst? Not the That's a really weird way to freeze that question. Who is not the Who who's not who's not who's not last? Uh, Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez Pat is not last. Is he? Not, who is the worst? Um, who is the worst? Which worst is relative. Scott Barry. His accuracy is ninety-one point two percent. That's relative. But uh, would you like to guess who's the most accurate umpire this year? Pat Hoberg. It is Pat Hoberg, the man, Mister Perfect. Pat Hoberg. We yeah, we mentioned it earlier, guys. But this dude, he caught, he caught, he threw, I, <laughs> he caught, <laughs> he called, <laughs> he called a perfect game in the World Series. The, the only recorded umpire perfect game in the World Series. Him and Don Larson, perfect. You know, yeah. The best part about it though was there's like two borderline calls that he felt he messed up, and he was like, "No, nah, that wasn't a perfect game." Like, yeah, I love that guy. That's great. He's he's good, and, and you know what? Umpires are getting better and better every year. So. I mean, his accuracy is 97%. There's a lot of guys on here that are 95, 96%. So, and a lot of these guys are pretty young. So, a lot of good umpires coming up now. But <laughs> ventriloquism, what a, what, what a way. Yeah. I mean, when your war is negative five for your career, like Jack Wadsworth is, you need to, you need to figure something out, right? So, if you want some, if you or anybody wants some, uh, interesting baseball reading. There's a book by Paul Dixon called The Hidden Language of Baseball, and it's all about cheating. <laughs> it's all about sign stealing and cheating and all the all the the crazy stuff that guys have tried to do over the years to win. And uh, it's a lot. Yeah, you, so you thought the Astros was bad? People have been doing this for a hundred plus years. Ain't nothing new. <laughs> kind of worrying, but that's okay. You know what? They're just trying to get a competitive advantage. Hey, did did you know where Will Clark is from? Um, I'm gonna say Cincinnati. He's from New Orleans, Louisiana. Is he? Yes, he is. At least that's what Baseball Reference says. Interesting. I, mean, I, I could call him up and ask him. You know, I don't think he it's says. worth it from New Orleans. Well, the next time I see Will Clark, I'll shoot him a text. Hey, yeah, man. Next, like, next time he's walking around. Yeah. Next out. time I see him walking around the corner, I'll be like, Hey, bro. Nice story <laughs> with Angel. You got any other weird stories? Got anything anything else in baseball catching your eye? 
Um, the twins are driving me insane. Does that count? Well, I mean that that's what we can talk about next. How how is the how the Minnesota Twins been the last two weeks? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We haven't been good. Okay. Um, since May first, this isn't including uh the last two games. We won two games against the Padres, so it looks a lot better. We're four and five. Uh, we lost back to back series to the White Sox and to the Guardians. But the the crazy thing is, despite doing that, this will show you how bad the AL Central is. Ooh, we're still at, we were, we're still, still in first, in first place. place. Oh no, <laughs> we got a three yeah. game lead over the Tigers. Oh no, are we are we over the Tigers right now? Yeah, the Tigers are again. The Tigers are technically in second place. Oh, that's insane. I think the craziest thing for me, and I don't want to get into standings because again, they're kind of dumb right now. But the team with the worst record in the AL East is the Yankees at twenty-one and seventeen. Yeah, they're and the they team with the record. best record in the AL Central is twenty-one and seventeen with the Twins. Yeah, so the Twins are on pace to make the playoffs. Not that that matters right now, as a almost nearly five hundred ball club uh, in May, and the White Sox or the Yankees would miss the playoffs by quite a bit. I mean it. It kind of sucks that the AL Central vibe is just, hey, don't suck too much and you'll make the playoffs, which is just not what you want out of a division. At the same time, like give the AL Central some credit because the AL West leading Rangers are 22 and 14, you know, and then the Central, the NL Central is being led by the Pirates at 21 and 17. And but, the NL West know. is being led by the Dodgers. Like, I, I think it's more of a case, like, I'll get, I'll grant you that AL Central is bad, dude. Like, you, yeah, completely right. But I think the AL East is just historically good, and the fact that they're not beating up on each other just shows you how much better these teams are. Not yet, they're not. I mean, That's true. the Central, the AL Central is one of those divisions that, like, even though the, the AL West is, there's not a lot of good teams in the AL West, you know that every year the Astros are going to be it. And then every after that, it's kind of juggling for who's going to be after that. The East is always somebody's going to be good, right? The Yankees have money, which I'm actually going to see the Yankees come to town next week, and uh, I'm going to go see see a game. Any idea who's pitching? Uh, no, it's Nick. It's a week away, so I have no idea who's going to be throwing. I'm going to say you should which, try to set it up so you can see Garrett Cole or Nestor which, Cortez pitch. That also, uh, before I continue on. Um, I saw a visual today about the Mets, who the Reds just beat today. Yeah. Their next series is against the Washington Nationals. They had it pulled up all the probable starters for all four games. The Nationals had all four slots filled in. Would you like to guess what the Mets had for it? One. TBD for all four of them. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, man? What's going on? Here's my, 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 which whatever, that's kind of because they're, they're shuffling Scherzer around, but like, come on. My favorite Mets memory of all time is probably like, uh, let's, let's think back like a decade ago, not even a decade ago, like eight years ago, right? They had Syndergaard, they had Steven Matz, uh, they had Matt Harvey, uh, they had six guys. I forget the names of the other three, but they, anyways, like they had six guys and everyone's like, okay, this is the best six man rotation in baseball. Uh, they all suck now. And they were not good back then either. But they had like all these guys that could throw a hundred and paint the corners. And everyone was like, this is going to be legit. And they were together for maybe like two or three starts. And then they just all kept getting hurt. And then Matt Harvey just retired and Noah Syndergaard has never been Noah Syndergaard. And Steven Matz is not good. And all these guys just are bad now. That's, that's rough. That's rough. I mean, they're not the Tigers, the Tigers, boy, did they screw it. They screw it. Did big you, time. 
What did you think initially when the Tigers signed Jordan Zimmerman to a five-year, $110 million deal? I thought they that was fine. They needed somebody. I think, Really? Yeah. Well, Dude, so I, I, I panned that right away. I was like, that is a terrible contract. I don't know. Look, look the Tigers are at that point now where they they went through their rebuild, right? They got all their young players, all their good, exciting young players, right? Some of them are still figuring it out. Some are a little better. Some still have some work to do. And now they're at the point where they're just building guys, right? Like, you're not just going to give up on Spencer Torkelson, right? No, you can't. And, you know, their, bol- their pitching staff has been less good than they thought it was going to be for their young guys. So you got to do something, right? Well, they also can't give up on a guy like Javi Baez. Which Javi Baez has been good this year. Disagree. He's been good. Well, he's no, been I have, better. I have I've watched him. He has not been good. Would you like to guess how many what what the record is for Javi Baez for games in a row without striking out? Without striking out? Yes. Can't be more than three. It's six, and he said he just said it. <laughs> six games in a row without striking out. New career high, yeah. No. So he's no, he's, he's fun to he's fun to play. Fine. He's OPS plus is 96 right now. His He's OPS fine. is under 700, That's slugging fine. under four. Barron was last year. That doesn't mean it's good. He's fine. Come on. He's fine. No, he's so fun to play against, right? Because here's the deal. Um, you throw a slider in the dirt, like a foot in front of home plate, generally an MLB player isn't going to swing at it. Javi Baez will swing at it. Well, he doesn't care. He'll swing at anything. Well, see, here's the thing. You want to know why he's a little bit better this year? Why is that? Because his chase rates are better. He's laying off a lot more stuff. <laughs> that was not true when the Twins played him early in the year. I don't okay. think they threw him a pitch in the strike zone. He struck out every single time it felt Listen, like. He's, he's better. He's, he's getting there, right? Because last year, his, I think his, his chase rate was like almost 50%. Like, he, like half the time a ball was thrown out of the strike zone, he was swinging at it. Which is, you know, a strategy to take. I'll say that. And he's... Let me pull it up here. I got it here just a second. I mean, he's never been an amazing hitter. But, you know, that's his approach, right? Right. I mean, I'm looking back... He's better. I'm looking back at his his years with the Cubs. Like, he was always okay, but he was never a guy that's going to push for 1,000 OPS. I mean, he'll, he'll hit for power, or he'll strike out a ton... He'll drive in a few runs, but he's never going to be like a top of the rotation type player. Yeah, see, he's better, right? His his O swing rate is lower. It's like five percent lower than last year. He's making contact with like sixty percent of the the pitches that he sees out of the zone. That's better. He's making more con. He's actually at a career high mark in contact rate right now, right? So he's he's better, right? He's 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 turning around a little bit. I mean, I guess. Let me pull up his baseball savant page. I want to see his exit velo right now. I'm hoping it's high. Just swing for the fences, see what happens. Uh, average exit velo is in the 40th percentile. Okay. Hard rate percentage wow. is in the 50th percentile. Yeah, yeah. Barrel well, rate you know. is in barrel rate is in the sixth percentile. K rate is in the 80th percentile. Uh, walk rates in the 21st percentile. Dude, I'm no. Who's he's not strike? good. Oh yeah, I, dude. I have, his strikeout rate 17. That's better. That's way better. Okay. He's I've proven fine. my point. He's not good. He's fine. We're going to disagree on this. He's fine. He'll be okay. Better than he was He's... last year. And you know what? Last year, he wasn't a bad hitter. I mean, 90 WRC plus is not great, but it's not horrendous. It's not unplayable. 
I would say that's bad. It is bad, but it's not unplayable. Okay. You know who's unplayable? Who? Everyone the Reds have thrown at shortstop this year. Give me the update on Ellie De La Cruz. You got to okay. you got to tell yeah, do, do we do we want, everybody. Do we want to go ahead going to here? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Twins first real quick. How okay. how them how So them we're we're, we're struggling, right? Um we're kind of pulling out of a funk. We're losing games, but we're losing close games, and so we're not really getting blown out, which is you know, I I I read a lot into run differential. I really like that as a stat because I think it tells you like are you staying in games? Are you competitive in games cuz you don't necessarily have to win a game 11 to 0 to be a good team. And if you win a game 11 to zero and they lose the next seven by two runs, like your run differential doesn't look awful, but your, your record does. Right. So So the 2020 Marlins then basically. Yeah. So it's not that I like, I think run differential is like the be all end all. I just like to use that in concert with stuff. Um, I don't have the twins number pulled up in front of me right now, run differential wise, but we're, we're keeping games close and we're not getting blown out, which is really, really good because it means that your pitching's good because the twins have always had bad pitching just recently uh we just lost tyler molly to tommy john surgery for the rest of the year which you know hopefully it's better soon didn't see that that sucks man yeah yeah so enjoy spencer steer and christian Encarnacion strand and the other uh who'd we give you who was the other pitcher we gave you i don't know uh was it hajar or whatever yeah steve hajar uh enjoy them because molly's gone in free agency man unless we sign a no bridge deal but uh, we're dealing with some injuries in the rotation, but the nice thing is like we have we're eight deep in our starting rotation. So with Maeda out and uh, with uh, Molly gone for the year, uh, we got a guy in Bailey Ober who came up, who's come up, and his ERA sitting under two right now. He just threw six innings and gave up three runs today against the Padres. Uh, pretty darn good Padres lineup. He held them to three runs, and he went seven scoreless uh, against the Guardians a couple his last start. So. We got him. We got Louis Varland, a uh, young St. Paul kid. He's just lighting up the radar gun. He's got excellent cutter, uh, really good pitch mix, really good starter. Works really fast, really fun to watch. So our pitching is kind of doing well. Our bullpens regressed. Um, they were kind of world beaters at the beginning of the year, and they're they're starting to give up some runs. And we're seeing some you know kind of lucky hits from the defense from the opposing offenses. Nothing that's like too concerning, but just to the point where it's like okay, you know this probably isn't super sustainable. Um, Buxton slowed down. He was doing really well. And then he's on like an 0 for 23 streak. Uh, the crazy thing though, is Correa started getting booed. Right. So we signed into that huge contract and what everyone forgot was like last year, he sucked at the beginning of the year. He was so bad. Uh, and then he turned it on and he was the twins best hitter from basically like June on. Uh, and so he's struggling. He hit the game winning double tonight. So hopefully that's something that pulls him out of his funk. Uh, but I think the best reaction he had to that was he started getting booed and someone asked him, how do you feel about that? He's like, if, I was a fan and I'm getting in a player is getting paid when I'm paying and he's putting up this performance. I would boo him too. Uh, he owned it. He's like, yeah, that's fine. They're upset. They should be upset. I'm not playing well. I don't like it. I'm okay with getting booed because of that. So the fact that he's like willing to live up to that and own up to that and be like, yeah, I suck right now. I'm okay. If you guys are expressing emotion, I really appreciated that. And I hope he turns it around. He's a great guy, really fun personality to have on the team. Great leader. Still picking guys up, even with him struggling. So he's a really good leader, like I said. I, I hope he turns it around soon. That's a lot of money for someone who's real bad right now. I mean, it, that I guess you got a lot of guys who've been on in that organization, on that team for a few years now. And it kind of seems like Correa is the captain now. It really does. He came last year and he said, this is Byron's team. Uh, I disagree. 
Uh, Byron is a phenomenal talent. I think he is, when healthy, a top five to ten base player in baseball. Oh yeah, no, um, I'm not disputing that, but it, it just kind of feels like when whenever is, they got Correa again this year, everyone just thought, "Hey, we can do this now." That's yeah. kind of captain material right there. Versus yeah, when everyone he, everyone signed that big Buxton extension, nobody really thought that. They just said, "Well, you know, it'll be great if he's on the field." Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, the Twins have actually, on the topic of Buxton, he's only been a DH this year. He stayed healthy. Yeah, and um, it's working. Right, and so if that's what it takes, like I know we've we've brought it up, but like if that's what it takes for Buxton to play 140 games, I mean, I I'm gonna be really sad that I've seen the last of Byron Buxton chasing down balls in the gap and leaping against the fence and making some catches that just make you rack your brains and trying to figure out how he did it. Uh, but I would rather have Byron Buxton at the plate for 140 play uh, 140 games. Um, anyways, I mean on Korea, yeah, you're right. He's the he's the leader. He's the heartbeat of this team. I mean, you see it like today. Kyle Farmer crushed a homer off you, Darvish. First homer you, Darvish has given up in a stadium that's not seven thousand feet above sea level. Um, and the first guy to congratulate him in the dugout and go over and put his arm around him is Carlos Correa. So a guy that's by all accounts getting maligned right now, who's struggling, he sees an opportunity to just congratulate a team member and tell him he's doing a great job, and he takes it. And I absolutely love that in a player. Yeah, and you know, there's. A number of players that he's kind of taken under his wing. I mean, I think Jose Miranda's the big one. Like, he advocated oh, for keeping him on the team last year. Like, they were going to send him down, and he wanted to keep him on the team last year. Well, they did send him down now. <laughs> you know what He I mean? was like, he, so he, bad this he, year. He was fighting for him. So That's I, true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think for the young Latin kids, having a guy like Carlos Correa um, has been absolutely wonderful. Uh and I think that's great. I mean, he loved uh, Louis Arias, who's still has decided that hitting the baseball is really fun, and he's just going to keep hitting over four hundred until he decides not to. Crazy. Wait, uh, I'm, I'm, what is he at right now? He's he's four fifty one. The last time I saw, three ninety eight. Is he under four hundred now? Oh, under four hundred, three ninety eight. Oh, it's over now. It's done. Yeah. I mean, once you get under 400, it's awful hard. Even if you got three, I mean, it's, it's impossible over. anyway. Just hitting 400 is impo- almost impossible. So. But the amazing thing is his uh, his Louis Arise's K rate is still at is still in the hundredth percentile, and his whiff rate still in in the hundredth percentile, while having a barrel rate in the tenth percentile. He's just so fun. Max exit velocity in the sixth percentile, thirty sixth percentile for the average exit velo. Like he's just a unicorn. Yeah. Well. You know, the uh, there's a lot to like about the Twins right now. I'm looking at their stats for the last two weeks since the 27th of April, and they've had some 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 good stuff going on, particularly on the pitching side, right? You're talking about Bailey Ober. Phenomenal. You know who's really impressed me? Who's Joe that? Joe Ryan. The Ryan Express. Joe Ryan is so fun, man. He's having he a good has, year. So He's he having a good, a, solid year. Yeah, he developed the split change this year. Um, absolutely filthy. Yeah, he's uh, been a bunch of time so, drive line. Yeah, he's so fun. So he's 6'2", 205, right? So he's not like a huge imposing guy, but he is incredibly athletic. He's a water polo player. And so the reason I bring that up is he's incredibly flexible. And so he releases his fastball probably at one of the lowest release points in Major League Baseball. And that's important because it generates rise on the ball. And so he throws, you know, 90 to 94 it, it, maybe he'll touch 95 on a fastball, but that's when he's reaching back. Um, his fastball plays 97, 98, and it's impossible to hit, it feels like. 
I mean, he's blowing a 92 mile an hour fastball by Aaron Judge. He's blowing 92 mile an hour fastballs by some of the best hitters in this game because they can't track the movement on it. That's sustainable, is what that is. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 really exciting, and he, you know, what he's doing in a, a what would be a little more unconventional way. I mean, he's just pounding the zone with strikes. He he is not afraid to throw strikes. A lot yeah, of guys and- now, with especially with stuff that as na- that are as nasty as he is, they're just saying, "Hey, throw it near the plate. I don't care if it's a strike. They're probably going to swing." And he's just not doing that. I mean, he's got a walk rate of four percent. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, and the best part is like when he throws it out of the zone, the players swing and miss. He's got a chase rate in the ninety yeah. eighth percentile. And you know what? He's he's. I won't say he's being crafty, but he's. He's making it count when he needs to. I mean, his left on base rates at what eighty two percent, which is kind of unusual for starters, are usually in the seventy ish range. I mean, like, I don't. Those think, are like reliever numbers. I don't think a two four five ERA is going to last. I think if Joe Ryan has a has a season where his ERA is under three five, that's been a great year. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he's but I don't. He's I good. can't remember a pitcher. I can't remember a pitcher where I've seen the amount of big league hitters flailing at a. 2-2 slider that just dives out of the zone and they had no shot on. I can't remember a pitcher that just seemingly like flips that at will. And Joe Ryan somehow does. I mean, I can, I can remember a guy. You know who Who's that is? That? Who? A Sonny Gray. Another guy you happen to have on your team. <laughs> so, guys, what you need to know is Fife, um, Fife uh, Thompson and myself at the group chat. And pretty, pretty often, Fife will just text some random picture about like how good ex-Reds pitchers are being. And Sonny Gray is usually at the top of that list. Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. Yeah. Dude, Sonny Gray is so good. Wouldn't it be great it's to have both those guys on a rotation with Hunter it's... Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft? You know, it'd be great to have, wouldn't it? Sonny Gray's ERA has just has over doubled over the last year. Like last four starts, his ERA has doubled. And normally when you see that, you're like, holy crap, that's bad. His ERA has doubled from 0. 0.62 to 1.35. Like yeah, his he's... bad starts now is seven innings and two runs. He gave he had a start where he went seven innings and gave up one run, and his ERA went up. Like, what do you do with that? He's just so good. Yeah, he's he's crazy, and, and you know what? He's a lot of it is you know it used to be guys that didn't throw super hard but had a lot of movement. Like, you better spot your pitches or you're screwed. And Sonny Gray is not doing that. I mean, he's. I think his two seam is one of, has one of the most has some of the most movement I've I've seen on anybody's. That's not throwing like upper nineties, you know, low one hundreds. Mm-hmm. And so he's just throwing balls that move, getting stuff in the zone, and he's got you know he's up in the you know eightieth percentile for whiff rate. So guys are just not hitting the ball. Well, he doesn't have a pitch that stays straight. Yeah, right? everything four seamers got movement. But then he throws a cutter, and then he throws that two seam. I mean, a sunny gray two seamer running back in on and a batter's hands, or when you, when you, none of them stay in the zone. When you can backdoor a two seam fastball, that's an insane amount of movement on a pitch. Uh, and he's yeah. not throwing the two seam as much anymore because now he's got that sweeper. He's got his yeah, cutter. He's, he's got he his curve. Sweeper now, dude. And I, mean, I think he doesn't even classify okay. that as a two seamer. I think he counts it as a sinker, which a lot of guys are doing now. But it essentially does the same thing as a two seamer. Yeah, his yeah, his arm side run on that pitch is incredible. Yeah, he's I love watching. He's I mean, he's he's the definition of a veteran pitcher. He's not a thrower. He is a pitcher. It's yeah. an art for him. So how about some hitters? You guys have had some guys that are hitting the ball. 
the last last couple of weeks. Um, had some. Max Kepler doing 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 some stuff. He's hitting the ball. Yeah, I mean, so everyone's kind of on like the anti shift rules and all that, and they're like, well, Max Kepler's obviously going to be an all star now, and I firmly disagree with that. Like, I think Max Kepler is a fine big leaguer. Um, he is not getting more hits that he's been rolling over to the right side. Uh, that he's just that's just not his game. He's just hitting the he ball rolled, out of the ballpark. That's all he's doing. Right. Um, kind of hard to shift on rolls, that. Right, but when he rolls the ball over to the right side, someone's going to get to it. He doesn't have bleeders leak through. But if you look at his baseball savant page right now, every single slider is red. He is crushing the ball. Um, six taters. His batting average is two fourteen, which is actually in line with his with his historical performance, which is just absolutely wild. Like he's just kind of like the bad bad luck guy. Um, but he's hitting the ball really well. I mean, he's putting even his outs right now are loud. He's not striking out a ton, and he's sending balls the other way to the wall, which. Back in 2019, when they had the juice balls and Max Kepler was good, that's what we saw. He could hit the ball out to left field, and now we're seeing that again. And that's good because that's a lot more sustainable than what he was doing the last couple of years where he was just rolling every pitch over to second base. And, yeah, he wasn't striking out, but he also wasn't hitting the ball well either. Yeah, and you know, that's it's it's good to see. You got to have – because you knew you were going to have to have some combination of guys that was not Byron Buxton – and Carlos Correa hitting the ball. And somebody's got to be doing it. Max Kepler was a, I mean, nobody even really thought he was going to be on the team this year. And he's crushing the ball right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Alex Kirloff having a good time, but in a weird way, he is really not hitting the ball out of the ballpark in that he hasn't yet. And he's only been up for like a week. In Okay, so in that week, He's had 14 plate appearances. He has walked 36% of the time, struck out 7% of the time. His on-base percentage is 571. That's pretty decent. So he is the definition of a hitter's hitter. Uh, He is patient to a fault. Um, But he makes such solid contact. His issue so far has been his wrist. He's had three wrist surgeries, and it's at the point where our PBO – Derek Falvey says, if this one doesn't take, this is it for his career. Um, so Twins fans are eagerly awaiting his results. Eventually the power will come, but he is never projected to be like a Joey Gallo 40 homer type guy. He's like a, I'll give you 20, 25 homers. I'm going to hit 270, and you're going to be happy with me for doing it, and we would love to have that, yeah. uh, given how bad our offense is. Even if he's like a 110 OPS plus this year, like 10% better than league average is a spark we need at this point. I mean, it just kind of seems like he's he, he's trying to make that adjustment now, right? Like, if you look at last year, he struck out 23% of the time and walked 3%. Like, he was putting the ball in play. That's all he was doing. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like he's just trying to let it all come to him a little more, right? Yeah, his exit velocity is down some, but he looks like he's being a lot more selective, and I think that will – play that will help him later um where have they been playing him since he's been up have they been playing him at first yeah yeah we sent larnick down that's good uh to open up a spot in the corner outfield to keep him at first they just need him to do anything to not reinch for that risk yeah as long as you keep him first base i think he's fine because he was not a good uh right fielder or excuse me left fielder and he's got a fine arm but he does not have the range doesn't have the speed yeah yeah first base is perfect for him yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about the Reds. We talked about the Twins enough. How are the yeah, Reds doing? 
the you know, the Reds have been fine. They've uh, since since we last talked, uh, the twenty seventh of April, they have been exactly five and five. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean they they did lose a couple series, but they played some good teams, and some of the games were close. <laughs> some of them were not. They uh, they're they're kind of that team right now where you 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 get reminded every few days that like, oh, okay, this is a team of all young guys and all rejects. Okay, I get it now. Like, earlier this week on Sunday, they played the White Sox. White Sox scored 10 runs in the second inning. Game was 17 to four. It's just like, oh, okay. And the White Sox are not a good team right now. They are bad. Yes. And you just, you know, you sometimes get that, well, look, we just there's nothing we can do about this. It's going to be rough. But, you know, they won a series against the A's, who are bad. Uh-huh. They just won today a series against the Mets, who are not bad, but they got some issues, right? My guy Spencer Steer hit a tater today. Yeah, he did. The bullpen came through. Hey, hey, you know, they're fine. You know, they're uh, they they're going to be – they got a chance to to make a run here soon. They Tomorrow they're playing the Marlins, a series against the Marlins. After that, they got the Rockies. Then they got a home stand against the Yankees, which I'll be going to. So let's let's nice. let's do it. Um, Catching yeah, Aaron I mean, Judge home run ball for me. They're fine. They they've been all right. I mean, they they've been all right in a way that's interesting. In that uh, there's some guys who are actually they they they're starting to bring more players up and replace some of these guys that are just you know in uh they're just do nothings, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not just like stumbling their way through it. Like they've got some guys who are playing really well. Um, let me fix this here. I got to fix my date range on this so I can give you the proper statistics. You know, I'm looking back um, at their schedule right now. They, they got swept by the pirates back at the end of April, but then they bounced right back and swept the Rangers and took two or three from the A's. That's exactly right. Right. They're, they're, they're playing. I mean, consistent. Well, they're just like, but good. it's, I, and, you know, I, I think you kind of get that from a team that's been, everyone's told them, like, hey, man, you're... And if you look at those Pirates and Rangers games, like, first one was a one-run game, two-run loss, one-run loss, two-run loss. Every game against the Rangers, one run, one run, two runs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're in games. They're, they're still in the game. Like, they're not getting blown out as much as they were, but it, it's just you get reminded every now and then when they give up, you know six runs in an inning to the Padres that, okay, this is, this is a team that still has some problems. Yeah. But you know, they, uh, I would like to go ahead right now and, uh, make a formal apology to somebody. Who's that? That is Nick Senzel. <laughs> uh, Details. well, you remember when we started the, uh, we did our season preview. I said, I didn't even think he should be on the roster. And, uh, yeah. In that time period, he's been pretty good. He's been a pretty good baseball player. Um, they moved him off of center field, finally. They put him at third base. They're playing Spencer Steer a lot at first base now. And uh, in the last two weeks, 293, 356, 488 for a 124 WRC+. plus. He is good. Not bad. Yes, he is Pretty good, and uh, just totally told him he was terrible. Like, whatever. What do I know? <laughs> I think, I mean, at the beginning of the season, we sounded like geniuses, and now we're slow. People are slowly realizing why we don't have jobs in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it's like, <laughs> you know, 
I, I, I didn't look that hard into it, but like, I'm not there every day. I don't work for the team. So I could just look at his major league stats before that and say, look, he's just not a very good hitter. He just doesn't have it going on. And turns out he's fine. Um, they got some other players who are really starting to put it together. Um, a couple of their outfielders, Jake Fraley and TJ Friedel, they're hitting the ball. They got, they both got slugging percentages up in the 550 range. And then, uh, Jonathan India having himself a really good bounce back year. He really is. That's really good to see. It's always tough to see a player go through a sophomore slump like Jose Miranda is right now. So it's well, great to see someone like Jonathan so India come back. Apparently what happened um, is that he he decided to really bulk up, get really big, and, and start hitting the weights. But then he lost a lot of flexibility and athleticism, and that kind of hurt him a little bit. He was trying to do too much. And Makes apparently sense. this year he has kind of got back. I won't. I don't know the details of his his workout regimen. I don't live with him or anything, but he looks like he's a lot more athletic and playing a little looser. And he's just having himself a good time. I mean, last two weeks, three fifty seven, three ninety one, five seventy one. He's crushing the ball. And yeah, he's great. already got one war. He's already put up one point one war on the season. There we go. Good. Look at that. And so yeah, I mean. He's uh he, he's having himself a, a good year. Um but there's also a lot of guys who are not having a good year. And uh in particular. Anybody they throw at shortstop, anybody they play at shortstop is just bad. And you know, we knew that. Kevin Newman is not a very good hitter, has never been a very good hitter. Jose Barrero has yet to show that he is any good at hitting the ball. And so they just keep throwing guys who are not very good at at hitting, or really defense either. Their defense is not very good, and they uh, they keep throwing them out there for absolutely no reason. I mean, they're still doing this whole three catcher thing, and it's just not working that well. I mean, Stevenson I mean, you- has not been hitting. Kirk Casale has not been hitting. I don't know why they're doing it, but well, that was Stevenson's whole calling card, right? Is this dude can't catch, but he can hit. Yeah. And so he's just not been hitting. Well, I mean, at that point, like, so two important defensive positions and I'll grant you, like if you can have a really good defender who sucks at offense at shortstop, you're, you're more apt to take it than if you've got a really good defender at first base, who's not good. Uh, same with catcher. But when you have 22% of your lineup is a black hole offensively, that's not good. Yeah, and that's a rally know, killer. I I don't say this as somebody that's like, oh man, you know, I could do better. I say this as someone that looks at some of the other players they have in their organization and says, why do you keep throwing these guys out there, right? Because right now, the the, the talk for a while has been all about their prospects, right? And they have three prospects in particular that are absolutely destroying the ball and are not in the major leagues. Let's talk about the big one. Literally and figuratively. Matt McClain's the big one. Oh, I'm talking about Ellie. Yeah, Matt McClain's having a better year. Okay. Matt McClain should have been on the opening day roster, to be honest. So for Louisville, for Louisville bats in 35 games, 129 at bats, he's hitting 349, 459, 729 slugging percentage. He's at 12 home runs and 129 at bats. Does he play shortstop? He does play shortstop. I, 
I, I don't understand the reasoning of not giving this guy a chance. Uh, service time. The other guy who probably, who made a really strong uh, run, a really strong uh, argument that he should have been on the opening day roster. This guy you mentioned earlier, Christian Encarnacion Strand. 16 games, 71 at-bats. He's hitting 352, 378, 718 with eight home runs. Okay, this dude can't play defense worth a lick. But he I don't care. He, four, can hit. he hit a 471-foot home run this today. He can hit the ball. Yes. And like you said, the biggest one, L.A. De La Cruz, right? 18 games, 79 at-bats, 278, 345, 620. But he's kind of got the uh, – he's hit six home runs in that time period. But he's kind of got the O'Neill Cruz thing going on that whenever he does do something, it's spectacular. Like, mm-hmm. whenever he does hit the ball, he just hits it harder than everyone else by a long way. And well, I just don't the... get why you wouldn't want that. I mean, I, I can find it here. I sent it. Uh, where is it at here? I, you well, can see how prepared I am for this. Yeah, so Ellie De La Cruz, a couple days ago, uh, did something that no one in Major League Baseball has ever done. He did it at AAA, granted. But he's the first person to ever hit – three balls at over 110 miles an hour for exit below in a single game. I think they were like all like 117 or 118 miles an hour. Two of them were home runs and one was a double. And it's like, yeah. And then he had a walk off walk as well, which is incredible. Like they're just, you got these young guys and you know what? Even if you bring them up and they suck, whatever. Let them suck, man. Yeah. If they're, if they don't, if they, when they start their career, they're going to suck at some point, have them suck now. So they're good next year. But otherwise, you're having them suck next year to be potentially good the next year. And look, even like there is every indication that L.A. De La Cruz should not be playing in minor league baseball anymore. I mean, if you look at his career minor league stats at all levels, he's at almost 1,000 at-bats. His career slash line is 296, 350, 892, which tells me that every single level that he's been at, he has dominated. Just you're slugging over 800. You've you've proven for a minor league career. You've proven that you can hit minor league pitching. Yeah, just give him, him a chance. Just throw him up there, you know. And and it's so. Let's look at the two players they've had play shortstop this year. And granted, I'm not saying there's a direct correlation between the two. You know, major league ba- the jump from minor league to major league baseball is hard. Sure. But here's what we got, right? You got, well, let me throw the right stats up here. So you got Jose Barrera. Oh my gosh, it's still doing it. I'm sorry. You can tell how good I am at this. You can tell how good his Wi-Fi is too. Why? Do I sound bad? <laughs> no, I'm just talking about how slow it is to pull the uh, stats up. Oh no, it's it's the the settings are weird. I, oh, it's I, I user have like, error. I have like a oh, date okay. range on there, and the date range won't. Uh, yeah, it's 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 messing me up here. It's here brought on okay. by your own incompetence. Good deal. So they've done about a 50-50 split at shortstop. Jose Barrero and Kevin Newman, right? Mm-hmm. Jose Barrero, twenty nine games, ninety eight plate appearances. He's hitting two eighteen, two eighty one, three twenty two, with a fifty nine WRC plus. That's putrid. Not great. 26% strikeout rate. Not great. Kevin Newman, 25 games, 88 plate appearances. He's hitting 229, 261, 313 for a 49 WRC plus. Both of them have negative wars. 
I do you think, think either one of those guys, Matt McClain or Ellie De La Cruz, could do better than that? I yeah. almost guarantee it. They don't even have to be good to be better than that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and, and even if they are bad, give them a shot. I'm tired of watching this because how the Reds have reacted the last few years, well, the last two years and before in their rebuild, right before they had this tiny window of competitiveness. They just made that their plan. Like they're going to go out and spend, instead of spending like a moderate amount of money, like even just like not even that much money, they would go out and find some dude who's like, like a Matt Reynolds type. Who's like, why are you still playing? Why are you still here? Why'd you give this guy a chance? They signed Matt Harvey for some reason. He of the team Italian fame. Yeah. And his ERA was like five something for them. He wasn't any good. And they just kept signing guys like that instead of trotting out anybody else, right? And they didn't have a ton of prospects then to do it either. Now they do. So why aren't you using them? I don't get it. That's just their plan. They'll they'll find someone like Kevin Newman, who's like clearly just not a very good major league shortstop, and they'll just give him, you know, 400 bats a year because why not? Yeah. And hope that we won't notice that they keep trotting out garbage. But I noticed. I know. I'm sorry, bud. It's fine. It, it, I'm used to it now. How about Hunter uh, Green, though? Hunter, Hunter Green's, Green's not bad. Yeah, he's he's finally figuring it out, you know? I, he's uh, put up a war and hasn't won a game, <laughs> which is ironic. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It is what it is, you know? It's so uh, one win above replacement, and his record is 0-3. I find that hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, guess that it's kind of, I guess it's kind of just talking about how useless uh, wins are. As a stat, wins are yeah. yeah. I mean, you know what? Their pitching's been it's been up and down, you know. Hunter Green has been good. Alexis Diaz has been good. I mean, at least the last two weeks, right? I mean, yesterday's game, Hunter Green threw the threw against Justin Verlander. He, he gave up a run. They lost two to one, but or he gave up two runs, sorry. They lost two to one, but like that's not a bad outing, you know? Um Graham Ashcraft's been pretty decent. He did have a that White Sox game where they gave up ten runs in the second. That was, he was pitching that game, so that was you know a bit of a blow that's up. A, that's an ERA um, killer. Yeah, yeah. So that was a bit of a blow up, but you know there is hope, right? Um, a lot of their their bullpen's a lot better. Um, if you look at like fit for the last two weeks, the top four guys, excuse me, the top five guys are relievers, right? Alexis Diaz still great. Um, Lucas Sims finally back and he is he's dealing. He's pitching really well. He's I mean he's striking out eleven and a half guys per nine. He's he's pitching pretty well. Um Lucas Sims has always been a, a really good pitcher for them. He just hasn't always been available. Um they still got a lot of a lot of guys dragging him down though. I mean, Derek Law is he pitched today, but they're using him a lot as an opener now, which I think is a weird decision. Like they used him today as an opener. And that was a little weird because he's not very good for an opener. The opener has always like I understand it. Just the good idea, idea of it is it's just it's just weird. Yeah, but like teams are using guys like they're still in that old school, like we can't use our best reliever. Like if you go out and throw Alexis Diaz the first inning, like that's just not something that teams are willing to do. Well, Even though whole- all the numbers show you that like, hey, these might be your three three of your most important at-bats of the game that you have to pitch against, they're still not going to do it. They're going to keep throwing out Derek Law or 
Yeah, that's like, the thing. Is like the whole point is like we need to get this guy out here to get one scoreless inning. We need yeah. him to face probably the three best hitters in the lineup and get a scoreless inning. But no one seems to commit to throwing a decent reliever out there. Like for the Twins, right? I would never say let's put Yohan Duran out there for the first inning. I think I would get you know sent off a cliff somewhere. Yeah, you boot out of town, right? Even though right. like logically that might be, which. It's still we're still having the problem of looking at guys like that and saying, "All right, um, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani are coming up in the seventh, so he should go out there." No, we got to save him for the ninth. Why? Their best hitters are coming up in the seventh. That's their best chance to win the game. Yeah, worry about we're the ninth when the ninth comes around. Yeah, Don't still sit there and discussion. throw out some scrub so that Mike Trout hits a two-run jack off him, and you're like, "Well, you know, we don't have to use Joe Under on this game. Yeah, well, we we don't have to worry about the save now because we don't even get a shot." Like, well, that's why I think that discussion. the Milwaukee Brewers kind of saved baseball with how they employed Josh Hader. Like that changed everything because now, I mean, think about this: if Mariano Rivera was used in the same way that Josh Hader was, I don't think we look at Mariano Rivera the same way. Because um, I mean, he would not have gotten all those saves. He would have been still an incredible reliever, one of the best ever. But I don't think that everyone would be sitting here talking about how he's the best relief pitcher of all time. Dude, the save is just such a weird... Like, the idea of it is fine because it's just another stat. But the fact that teams for decades have built their bullpens around this arbitrary number that we made up that doesn't actually affect whether you win or lose the game is wild. Yeah. It's so wild. Like it, it, it's the, it's really the equivalent of like if you took an NBA team and you had a guy who just shot like insanely deep three pointers, and you know, let's say he was pretty decent at hitting them. He wasn't perfect, but he was pretty decent at hitting them. And you would go, well, you know, that's cool. I, it's good that he's got that skill, but it's still a three pointer, right? It doesn't really do anything for us. But then if the whole league started like loading their rosters with guys like that, and you're like, wait, it's just a three-pointer. It's not any better. Why are you getting guys like this? This doesn't make any sense. That's the same thing. It's so weird. Yeah. But we keep doing it. So, yeah, I don't know. They, they've got, uh, they got some guys dragging them down. I'm sure there's going to be some players coming up in the next, I don't know, few months. Um, some of the guys at Louisville, some of the uh, the pitchers are not really doing that well, but I don't. I don't really know what to make of AAA, you know, international league stats. So it's always a tough league to pitch in. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I assume a lot of those guys are still just like working on stuff. So I like, I don't really care what their ERAs are or like, I just don't care that much. Um, I, you know, I think they're fine. Yeah. I remember uh, like 10 years ago, the twins had this dude in the uh, upper minors. His name was Johan Pino. And he was like 29 when he first got the call. And I remember uh, I looked at his AAA stats and I was like, man, we got a stud. He was like 12 and three with a 129 ERA. And then uh, he comes up and his fastball tops out at like 87 to 89 miles an hour. <laughs> he just gets absolutely bashed around. And I was like, yeah. oh, AAA ERA doesn't matter. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, whatever. Like, ERA is. Like, you know, like talking like uh, like with Graham Ash, like you can go out and have one game where you give up, you know, eight, nine runs. And the weird thing about the minors is that they are much more likely to leave a guy in and just get beat up because they just oh, yeah. don't have that many pitchers. Right, because their so, best reliever is probably on their way to the major league team. Yeah, yeah, they just don't have, like, there's just not as many guys to throw junk innings. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're more willing to just leave guys in there and have them get beat up. It's like, hey, man, it's your turn to wear it. Just deal with it. 
Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of how it is, you know. So I, I think they'll be fine. Well, they've been playing all right. They got uh, some winnable games coming up, and uh, they're gonna have more guys on the way. I mean, I think Levi Stout's gonna get another shot in the majors. Uh, Casey Legumina, I think that's how you say his name. I haven't heard a lot. He's pitching on the big league club. I think Andrew Abbott's gonna be up soon. He's actually been pretty pretty good in Louisville. Um, you know, he started out three ERA in fifteen innings. So, I mean, his, his whip's a little high, but that's fine. Um, and then they got some guys coming back from injury too, right? Like Joey Votto's going to be back eventually, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. He'll be there at some point, maybe. I don't know. He'll be there in time to retire. Yeah. I mean, it's it's coming at some point, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they've been playing all right. Are they going to keep pl- they gonna keep playing all right? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. See what works. Yeah, so, I don't know. They're not last place. That's what matters. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, that kind of wraps up this episode. Yeah, uh, dude. We did not did not get to the standings. Again, we're going to try to keep pushing that off till end of May, but uh, I think we should be able to get better at getting content out every week, week and a half or so at this point. We just have a little bit more free time. Fife's graduated, so everybody, congratulations to him on another, uh, we're done. well, I guess not another degree, on a first degree. Congrats, man. We're doing stuff now. Um, Doing the exact same thing I did before. You're you're halfway to the amount of degrees that I have. Just keep going. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm good. That's all right. Master's degrees are pointless anyways. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that. I'm not using mine at all. Um, I just don't want to do that. doesn't matter if they're good or not. I just don't want to do that. <laughs> you eventually might have to go get an MBA, but that's pretty easy. Anyways. Uh, it's fine. It's just more numbers. It's fine. That's true. But... We hope you all have a great week. Uh, Like I said, we'll be back at you guys with uh, more content next week. What a fun time we're going to have. Thanks for listening. See you.